Blog Talk Radio. From the far reaches of the known universe, we are proud to present Brother Harold Muhammad, soldier, scientist, scholar. Blog Talk Radio's finest. Not so mad science. On Black Hole Radio. Assalamu alaikum. And welcome to tonight's edition of Not So Mad Science here on the Black Hole Radio Network. Once again, and as always, coming to you live from the city of Detroit, your host, Brother Harold Muhammad. Just because, excuse me, just because Barry Gordy took Motown to L.A. does not mean Detroit has lost its soul. Interesting program for you tonight. I'm living in a world of censored language. With that being said, let me do the best I can to uncensor what I have in front of me. I want to remind you of the words of Dr. Luc Montagnier. Dr. Montagnier is the CEO of Pfizer. And here's what he had to say about the high rate of vaccinations that have taken place in Israel. He says, and I quote, Israel is the biggest laboratory in the world. Now, who is Dr. Luke Montagnier? And why should we pay attention to what he says? Dr. Montagnier won the Nobel Prize in Medicine for the discovery of HIV and said that this is the biggest risk to humanity and the biggest risk of genocide in the history of humanity. And so the risk of an antibody-dependent enhancement reaction in human beings These are the words of Dr. Luke Montagnier. Israel, who over 84%, almost 85% of their population is vaccinated. Dr. Montagnier says they're the biggest laboratory going. So I want want you to reflect back to 1932. The Tuskegee experiment. which lasted from 1932 to 1972, 40 years, where over 600 black men were purposely infected with syphilis. Why do you ask? Well, 
it seems that there was a study done in Europe where white males who had not sought treatment for their syphilis a particular segment of their society they did not get the details that they had hoped to get so what did the United States propose to do so where am I talking about in specific it was in 1928 there was a study done in Oslo, Norway, the Oslo study of untreated syphilis, which had reported on the pathologic manifestation of untreated syphilis in several hundred white males. This study was a retrospective study done after the fact since the investigators in that study had to piece together information from the histories of the patients that they were looking at who had already contracted syphilis but had remained untreated for some time. So I'm going to ask again, what was the U.S. doing? What were they thinking? Why? A 40-year study on 600 black men in Alabama. Well, the U.S. Public Health Service, now known as the CDC, they decided to build on the study, the work done in Oslo, Norway, and perform a prospective study to complement it. The U.S. Public Health Service syphilis study at Tuskegee was begun supposedly as a six-month descriptive epidemiological study. The researchers involved in this, with the study, their reasoning was that they were not going to be harming the men involved in the study under the presumption that they were unlikely to ever receive treatment anyway. At that time, it was believed that the effects of syphilis depended on the race of those affected. Physicians believed that syphilis had a more pronounced effect on black people's cardiovascular systems than on any other race's central nervous system. So you did a study on black people knowing it was going to kill them or severely malign their health if that's what you believe. Six hundred black men. But did the incursion on people of color, since you like to use that term, stop there? 
I contend it did not. Anything that they needed to know about syphilis, they learned from the 1932 study, which lasted 40 years. So that means it went through World War II, the Korean conflict, Vietnam. It traveled through that whole period. So what was the reasoning for the Guatemala experiment? What? The Guatemala experiment? What is that? Well, in my research, I found paperwork written in Britannica.com. In in their investigation and their documentation of the Guatemala syphilis experiment was an American medical research project that lasted from 1946 to 1948 and is known for its unethical experimentation on the vulnerable human population in Guatemala. Well, let's tell the truth. What is the difference between a black man in Guatemala and a woman and a black man and woman in Alabama? Absolutely nothing. One speaks Spanish or a variant thereof and the other speaks English or a variant thereof because of their lack of education. So let's call these experiments what they are. These were experimentation on black men and women. See how long it was going to take them to die and suffer. Supposedly, the intent of the study was to test the value of different medications, which included the antibiotic penicillin and the arsenical agent or with Mafarsin in the prevention of symptoms emerging following infection with certain sexually transmitted diseases. A diagnostic testing arm of the study investigated methods to refine the STD screening technique. The total study population included more than 5,500 Guatemalan prisoners, sex workers, soldiers, children, psychiatric patients, and a quarter of whom were deliberately infected with syphilis, gonorrhea, or cancroids and all of whom were enrolled in the experiment without their consent. And what's the reasoning for this? At the start of World War II, U.S. medical researchers were tasked with finding an effective strategy for preventing the contraction of STDs among 
American soldiers who consorted with prostitutes while in the theater of war. The first such strategy emerged in the early 1940s when government scientists discovered that penicillin could eliminate symptoms of syphilis within days of infection. So the U.S. military subsequently began using penicillin as a means of post-STD exposure treatment. However, it was unclear whether penicillin would provide long-term prophylactic protection and whether it could be used in a similar manner for other STDs. So you experimented on my people. You experimented on the black man and woman and children because your soldiers could not keep their ding-dongs, tallywhackers, dicks, boners, cock-a-doodle-doos in their pants while they're supposedly going about their work of mayhem and murder for war. Did you not do enough damage in 1932 when you saw the damage done to the black men in the Tuskegee experiment that you had to wait and do the experiment once again in 1946? I'm going to say it again. Dr. Luc Montagnier, the Nobel Prize winner in medicine for the discovery of HIV called the nation state of Israel, the biggest laboratory in the world. Yet, as a result of World War II, You charged and sentenced to death Dr. Yosef Mengele for his experimentation. You called him the angel of death. For his experimentation on so-called Jewish people at the Auschwitz concentration camp. His experimentation on Jewish people. You called it a holocaust. Well, what about the 40-year holocaust? Transgressed during the Tuskegee experiment. What are these 5,000 plus more people, their Holocaust in Guatemala, for your sexually deviant testing of sexually transmitted diseases and experimental cures from 1946 to 1948? Yet, 
you want me to believe that these vaccines, which you have no concrete evidence work, to be pumped into the arms of the American people as a cure or fighter against COVID-19 and its various and its various manifestations. I remind you again of the words of Dr. Vladimir Zelenko. who is an observant Orthodox Jew out of Brooklyn, New York. Through his work, he cured over 2,000 patients of COVID. Where the cost per patient was $20, less than $20 per patient, yet the pharmaceutical companies are pushing a $3,000 a dose drug rendezvous or they're selling this vaccine to the U.S. government to forcibly pump into the arms of U.S. citizens. And the largest laboratory in the world right now is the nation state of Israel, where they are now experimenting on their own. Has no one yet been charged? with genocide against the American people? Has no one yet been charged with crimes against humanity at the International Court in The Hague? Let me share some detailed information with you. Because I I believe this to be critically essential just recently the nation of Islam sponsored a national self-improvement online study group with a presentation for COVID-19, practical steps for self-care, what you can do to protect yourself. On Friday, August 27th, about 3,000 people viewed a special virtual event sponsored by the Nation of Islam. The Nation of Islam's three-specific online study group. This revolutionary study guide given to 
the black community in specific and to humanity in general from the mind, heart, and wisdom of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. A panel of five scientific, medical, and public and holistic health experts gave viewers a powerful and safe, effective approach to protection from COVID-19. It was a brilliant demonstration to overcome the false propaganda that the only response to the virus are these deadly vaccines being deployed by the U.S. government. The panel proved unequivocally that unvaccinated in no way means unprotected. The panel went beyond mere words on how to respond to an infectious disease and offered keys to a healthy life. The national spokesperson for the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, student minister Ava Mohammed, presided and moderated over this historic seminar entitled COVID-19, Practical Steps for Self-Care, What You Can Do to Protect Yourself. She said, and I quote, this course engages us in self-examination, self-analysis, and self-correction. And that takes place on three levels. The spiritual, the mental, and the physical. And of course, the COVID-19 virus has presented us with a problem on all three of those levels. Sister Ava made mention that the beginning of the pandemic that God made it so that participants in the course were strengthened because the particular study unit they were on was directly responsive to the difficult circumstances and trials arising from the pestilence from heaven under the code name COVID-19. Four of these special guest speakers, these medical experts or Dr. Sophia Shabazz, Dr. Akili Graham Muhammad, Anissa Muhammad, Public Health Administrator, and Dr. Darnita Muhammad. They're all registered members of the Nation of Islam. Dr. Velva Bowles, a physician and scientist trained and microbiology and gene regulation was also on the panel. She is a well-known activist in the fight for independent black hospitals, healthcare, and doctors, which were lost to integration. We have more black doctors and hospitals, businesses, and banks prior to integration with the white community than we have after integration. 
the Nation of Islam's Executive Council had been working diligently to develop the framework for our own Ministry of Health and Human Services. Sister Ava said the presentation manifested parts of that diligent work. The COVID-19 pandemic This directive, I should say, let me put it this way, the COVID-19 pandemic manifested the need to quicken the response to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan's directive to activate the nine ministries. We must prepare for the original man's exodus out from under the children of our slave masters. That exodus isn't necessarily physical, but it is primarily mental, emotional, and spiritual. The seminar presenters, Sister Anissa Muhammad, detailed the visions and plans of the Nation of Islam for a ministry of health and human services, medical hospitals, systems, and professionals to specifically handle mass hospitalizations, intensive care units, hospital settings. In addition to the Nation of Islam's work, to educate its registered members, black and indigenous peoples, not that term Latino, not this term Native American, indigenous. On how to treat and prevent COVID-19, as well as self-management of chronic diseases such as COPD, or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, cancer, diabetes, and high blood pressure. Seminar presenter Dr. Akili Muhammad, graduate of the Meharry Medical College in Nashville, Tennessee, and he completed his residency at the University of Texas at Houston, he presented the highest level of protection the human being has, which is natural immunity. He shared the divine solution that God gave us, Allah and the person of Master Fahd Muhammad. He shared with the Army Elijah Muhammad the dietary program in his monumental two-book volume, How to Eat to Live. Dr. Achille addressed specifically the underlying preconditions or comorbidities that exacerbate the effects of the virus in black and indigenous people. He stated that he has seen many medical problems that have been diagnosed by other physicians as incurable but um, improved when the patient followed the guidance of the Ambalaja Muhammad. 
which calls for, among other things, eating one meal a day or every other day. Let's not wait any further, said Dr. Achille, whose practice in a federally funded facility in Houston prior to opening his own practice in 2003. Dr. Shabazz is a board-certified family physician and owner and medical director of the Fountain Medical Associates. She receives her Bachelor of Science in Engineering and Medical Doctorate from the University of Pennsylvania. She's a diplomat for the American Board of Family Medicine. She offered these valuable items that we all should have at home and vastly increase our ability to know and understand our condition. She stressed the importance of getting these tools available at most drugstores and large discount stores in advance to monitor vital signs in the event there's a need to treat a known or suspected case of COVID at home. For example, a digital thermometer for temperature readings can help determine if additional bacterial infections exist on top of viral infections. Let us not forget, Dr. Shabazz is a multi-awards recipient in chemical engineering and medicine. Like many of the speakers, she spoke about over-the-counter medications and nutritional supplements used to support immune systems. And for treatment purposes, should one fall ill. Similarly, presenters highlighted the highly successful medication ivermectin. It also has powerful anti-inflammatory and antiviral properties. Dr. Shabazz pointed out that ivermectin is becoming very controversial due to attacks from pushing from those pushing the vaccine. As a result, more it is more difficult to source now and find a healthcare provider willing to prescribe it. And even when a provider is willing to prescribe the medication, it is more difficult to find a pharmacy willing to fill it, according to Dr. Shabazz's research. Similarly, the other guest speakers emphasize the importance of early preparation and obtaining various products they recommend to treat and prevent the virus. Dr. Velva Bowles says, you want to be in your best health to help to begin with. She received her medical doctorate degree from the University of Pittsburgh. She has a doctorate of philosophy degree in health sciences from Concordia University, a master's degree in chemistry from Duquesne University, and a bachelor's of science degree for North Carolina State University. She also has teaching experience in the biochemistry department at Colorado State University and the School of Nursing in Fort Collins, Colorado. 
Dr. Bowles provided a comprehensive list of tools and practices to prevent or defeat COVID. She urged everyone to relax, get enough sleep, drink enough fluids, primarily water, to help keep the body flushed. In addition to a cost-effective disinfectant demonstrated to shield the household from viruses for 24 hours. She recommended keeping a simple at-home COVID-19 test. The test is the same technology as a home pregnancy test. It can be purchased at a pharmacy and give the results in approximately 15 minutes. Dr. Darnita Muhammad, a trained osteopathic physician who specializes in family medicine, has been practicing for over 25 years. She has worked most recently in community health clinics and urgent care centers throughout Alabama, where she also teaches and is a physician at Tuskegee University. She says there is no magic pill or potion, however. A multifaceted approach is necessary and has proven effective and essential in the pandemic for the prevention and early and late treatment of COVID-19. Before concluding this power pack session, student minister, national representative, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, Dr. Ava Muhammad said this. One was the founding physician of the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance. They have a video summary of what ivermectin is, where it comes from, and what it does, and a web link to help prepare in advance. We got to do our homework, brothers and sisters. We got to do our homework, family and friends. You got to do your homework, those who disagree. And for those who do agree, you, too, still have to do your homework. This is Not So Mad Science, and I'm your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. But I'm not done yet. We still got a long way to go tonight. We've been reminded you cannot trust this government's words or what is in our best interest health-wise. A question was asked in the Defender by political commentator Kim Iverson. She asked on September 1st of this year, why are we suddenly rejecting science by forcing vaccines on absolutely everyone. In a bombshell new study, it shows natural immunity to COVID provides 13 times more protection against the Delta variant versus vaccinations alone. 
But as political commentator Kim Iverson points out, on the Hill, on the Hill in her editorial risings, these new findings aren't really bombshell questions at all. Conventional science, she says, has always shown that past infections provides robust immunity against future reinfection. So again, why suddenly, after over 100 years of recognizing previous infections as a robust form of immunity, Ms. Iverson asked, are we suddenly rejecting science? and forcing vaccines on absolutely everyone. This sends me back to the words of Dr. Vladimir Zelenkov, the Orthodox Jewish doctor, family physician out of Brooklyn, New York. In his words, he says, God is testing us. I am against idolatry. And I really believe, and here's the test. Are you going to bow down to me, God? Or are you going to ask for your protection from me? Are you going to take your fears and ask me to help? Or are you going to run to the idol of the vaccines of your government of despots and tyrants like sociopaths who want to be deities? Why are we rejecting the science? Why is our government purposely going out of its way to block science? Why is the media creating such a fanfare to block out any alternative view or study or proof that the vaccines don't work? Why are media giants like Facebook and other social media platforms blocking the alternative viewpoints? In the largest real-world observational study, and this agrees with Dr. Zelenko, which is being conducted in Israel, one of, if not the most highly vaccinated country in the world. Scientists followed 700,000 people, splitting them into three groups. Vaccinated people who received two doses of the Pfizer jab, unvaccinated people who recovered from COVID, and individuals who both recovered from the virus and receive one dose of the Pfizer vaccine. The study found, 700,000 people now, 
the study found natural immunity confers longer lasting and stronger protection against infection, symptomatic diseases, and hospitalization. I quote, the researchers hypothesize that it's because of B and T cell memory, according to the words of Dr. Iverson. And the fact that people who recovered from the virus are exposed to the entire virus, not just the spike protein that the vaccine exposes the body to. The study is yet to be peer-reviewed, she said, but the findings are consistent with other studies and public health data. And Dr. Iverson says, and for some strange politicized reason, this scientific fact, my words here, these scientific facts have been hotly debated in the U.S., Dr. Iverson gives an example. In the incidence of chickenpox, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention recommends vaccination for those who haven't had a previous infection. On their website, under the heading, Who Needs a Chickenpox Vaccine? The CDC says people 13 years of age and older who have never had chickenpox or receive chickenpox vaccine, vaccine should get two doses at least 28 days apart. Same thing for the measles and even polio, if they are not combined with other vaccines. Even during the smallpox outbreak, when vaccines became mandated, the certificate of immunity clearly gives clearance for those who had previously recovered from smallpox, meaning they didn't have to have the vaccine because they already had it and have a natural immunity. So Dr. Iverson asks again, why are world health officials, Western world officials primarily, ignoring the science of natural immunity? She asked again, are public health officials just caving to the demands of a frightened public? Dr. Iverson wonders, quote, are they caving to the desires of the greedy big pharmaceutical companies? Dr. Iverson says this, quote, in the European Union, where some countries have implemented vaccine passports, People can obtain one by either showing proof of vaccination, testing negative for the virus within 72 hours, or thorough proof of recovery from previous infection. This is based on sound science. So what is that this is causing this sudden rejection of widely accepted science here in the United States? We currently have colleges, corporations, big tech companies, politicians, and U.S. public health officials 
all openly excluding natural immunity as a basis for medical exemption. When recovered patients raise an eyebrow over policy mandating they be vaccinated, their education, their livelihood, and their ability to participate in society are threatened. For example, Jenna Norris, a supervisory administrative associate and fiscal officer at Michigan State University, MSU, who has natural immunity after recovering from the virus, sued the school over its vaccine mandate. A judge, however, ruled against Ms. Norris this past Tuesday, arguing that, quote, because plaintiff does not have a constitutionally protected property interest in her employment position at MSU and is not being denied any constitutional rights under the 14th Amendment, nor is employment a fundamental right under the United States Constitution, this matter will receive rational basis scrutiny. And for the plaintiff to win under this standard review, plaintiff must show that MSU's vaccine mandate is not rationally related to a legitimate government interest, i.e., the health and safety of the public. Plaintiff is unlikely to win under rational basis review. Therefore, at this stage, plaintiff has not shown a substantial likelihood of success on the merits. Excuse me. Todd Zawicki, a George Mason University law professor, recently filed a similar lawsuit against his employer requesting a medical exemption from the school's vaccine mandate. Zawicki argued that because he has natural immunity, there is no justification for a coercive violation of my bodily autonomy. The university caved to the suit, awarding Zawicki the exemption last month. As Iverson points out, the new data on natural immunity raises a huge ethical question about the demand for the vaccinated world, regardless of their previous infection status. She says, quote, the CDC estimates that over a third of all Americans have recovered from COVID. That means if the vaccine can even help us reach herd immunity, we only need 50% vaccinated to get us to a combined 80%. Currently, the U.S. is reporting just over 55% fully vaccinated. But it would be interesting to know how many of those were previously infected in order to give us a true picture of how close we are to this belief threshold for herd immunity. Excuse me. 
This would be important data for us to know, to find out if herd immunity is even possible with this virus. Luckily, countries like Israel are keeping good records. They have not politicized the virus. They're able to give better insight into what's working and what isn't as they experiment on their own people. My words. Iverson argues, or that I should say, she hopes this latest study showing natural immunity is the best protection will finally change our current line of thinking. She makes clear no one is advocating for people to go out and get COVID. But the reality, she says, is that millions of people already had the virus and many more will get the virus. The people who have recovered have robust immunity that should be accepted even studied by our society as it always has rather than it being shunned. Again, this is not so mad science. And I'm your host, Brother Harold Muhammad here on the Black Hole Radio Network. Currently, Military service members with natural immunity have also filed lawsuits against the Department of Defense, the Food and Drug Administration, Homeland Security, HHS, over COVID vaccine mandate. Megan Redshaw wrote in her place, in her article that two active duty members of the U.S. Armed Forces this past August 17th, filed a lawsuit against the U.S. Department of Defense, the FDA, Health and Human Services, on behalf of themselves and the 220,000 active service members, <coughs> excuse me, who are being forced to get a COVID vaccine despite having had COVID and require and acquired natural immunity to the SARS COVID two COVID nineteen virus. The lead plaintiffs in that lawsuit are Staff Sergeant Daniel Robert and Staff Sergeant Holly Mulberhill. They allege US Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin ignored the DOD's own regulations and created an entirely new definition of full immunity as being achievable only by vaccination. According to the lawsuit, the military's existing laws and regulations unequivocally provide the exemption the plaintiffs plaintiffs seek under Army Regulation 40-562, AR-40, 562, 
which provides documented survivors of an infection a presumptive medical exemption from vaccination because of the natural immunity acquired as a result of having survived the infection. So, under the military's regulation AR-40-562, general examples of medical exemption include the following. Evidence of immunity based on serologic tests, documented infection, or similar circumstances. So according to the lawsuit, Dr. Admiral Brett Grior of Health and Human Services, the Assistant Secretary, stated in an interview on August 24th with Fox News, saying, quote, so natural immunity, it is very important. There are still no data to suggest vaccine immunity is better than natural immunity. I think both are highly protective. Wait a minute now. This is from a doctor and an admiral in the Health and Human Services Assistant Secretary. Yet on the same day, the same day, I find this absolutely incredible. It's the, the same day that the Secretary of Defense, Secretary of Defense Austin, I'm going to read his words carefully. to be very, very careful with this. Okay, here we go. I got to make sure this is right. Because to say this wrong could get me in trouble legally. The same day, Secretary of Defense Austin issued a memo mandating the entire armed forces be vaccinated, ignoring the law and the words of the Assistant Secretary, Dr. Admiral Brett Grior, Secretary of Defense Austin said, those with previous COVID infections are not considered fully vaccinated. Now, wait a minute. In that memo, plaintiffs alleged Secretary Austin created a new term and concept which contradicts the plain language of the Department of Defense's own regulations. 
long-standing immunological practice, medical excellence, and the overwhelming weight of scientific evidence regarding this specific virus. Plaintiffs claim Department of Defense Secretary Austin, who is not a doctor, changed DOD's own regulations without providing a scintilla of evidence to support it. They also alleged Austin made the regulation change without going through the required rulemaking process in violation of the Administrative Procedure Act review. According to the lawsuit, Pfizer's Phase three trials designed to test long-term side effects are not scheduled for completion until 2023. And that inexplicably, in the middle of that phase three trial, the manufacturer unblinded the two cohorts and members of the placebo group were given the opportunity to take the vaccine if they wanted to. That's not scientific process there. Plaintiffs claim the FDA allowed Pfizer to turn the study from a placebo-controlled, blinded trial into an open observational study. Robert M. Overhill, on August 30th, filed a motion for an emergency temporary restraining order against the mandate asking the court to prevent the Department of Defense from vaccinating them and others who can document they previously had COVID. Plaintiffs claim if they're not granted the release they seek, they will suffer immediate physical harm by being forced to take a vaccine for a virus to which they already have immunity. In their motion, they also said the mandate constitutes an unconsented physical invasion of the worst kind with a novel mRNA technology that has not even been tested on people who have acquired natural immunity to the virus and who have a clear and unequivocal right to the exemptions they are seeking under the Department of Defense own regulations. Let me remind you we have the Tuskegee experiment of 1932, which did not end for, until 40 years later in 1972, conducted by the U.S. government, the predecessor to the CDC, and the Guatemala experiment in 1946, ending in 1948 with nearly 6,000 citizens of Guatemala forcibly and unknowingly injected with something, never being told what they were going to suffer through. You now have your own military making a complaint, taking you to court, that if they're not granted the release they seek, they will suffer immediate physical harm by being forced to take a vaccine for a virus to which they already have an immunity. 
Their motion says the mandate constitutes an unconsented physical invasion of the worst kind. Their lawsuit also alleges the COVID vaccine could cause potential harm to the body, including harm caused specifically by the spike protein which the mRNA technique targets. Plaintiffs said the Center for Disease Control and Prevention Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, which contains adverse events reports for all vaccines administered in the U.S. from July 1st, 1990, shows a significant increase in adverse events since the rollout of the COVID vaccine. According to the lawsuit, before the FDA introduced the COVID emergency use authorization vaccine in December of last year, the VAERS system had recorded a total of 5,000 deaths 12,000 permanent disabilities for all prior vaccines. However, for the week beginning of August 13th, the VAERS showed 13,000 additional reports of death and 1,031,000 reports of serious adverse events from the COVID vaccine alone. Think about that. Staff Sergeants Roberts and Mulvihill. The plaintiffs have stated they have the right to be free from unwanted physical intrusion and involuntary inoculation against a virus that poses statistically zero threat to people with natural immunity and to reserve their guaranteed, codified, and fundamental rights of informed consent. Again, I remind you of the U.S. government's hidden agenda in the Tuskegee experiment, which lasted 40 years. The U.S. government's hidden agenda in the 1946 venereal disease experiment in Guatemala where no informed consent was given. People were given an inoculation and never told what it was for. People were given booster shots of something and never told what it was for. Mary Holland, the president and general counsel of the Children's Health Defense, applauded the plaintiffs, Sergeants Roberts and Mulvihill, for standing up to the military mandate. They raised critical issues, in my opinion, that the court must resolve on medical exemptions for natural immunity and whether clinical trials serving as a basis for Pfizer's licensure were sufficient 
Attorney Holland explained the following. The plaintiff's case is exceptionally strong, resting as it does on proven natural immunity. Not only do Army regulators provide presumptive exemption to such individuals, but science and common sense require exemption of such people in the military and out in the general public. It is well established that natural immunity to COVID-19 is far more robust than vaccine-induced immunity. And those with natural immunity are at a greater risk of injury if they are vaccinated. It is unfortunate that such a relatively simple matter needs to go to federal court for resolution. But we are delighted that plaintiffs Sergeants Roberts and Mulverhill brought the case. We hope that the court decides in their favor based on firm legal principles. But previous history indicates in the COVID-19 era that the courts are not following legal principle. They are not following truth and what is right. They're going for what is expedient and in the financial interest of big pharmaceuticals. So the vaccination of those with natural immunity to COVID is not supported by science. The defender reported on August 3rd, on August 30th of this year, natural immunity appears to confirm longer-lasting and stronger protection against severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus 2 infections, symptomatic disease, and hospitalization from the Delta variant compared to the Pfizer-BioNTech two-dose vaccine-induced immunity. But what do we already know? that has already been reported, and as you've seen on the news, Pfizer had petitioned for and been granted approval to institute a third dose. So I guess two doses of that poison into your body was not enough. Two doses of liquid death didn't work. Now they want to give you a third. In your largest real-world observational study comparing natural immunity gained through previous SARS-CoV-2 infections to vaccine-induced immunity provided by the Pfizer people who recovered from COVID were much less likely than than never infected vaccinated people to get Delta, develop symptoms, or be hospitalized. Meaning once you got it, you now have a robust immune system where you are now immune to it. The study was published as a preprint on August 25th of this year on the MedRxIV website. It showed people who had never been infected with COVID but were vaccinated in January and February 
were 6 to 13 times more likely to experience breakthrough infection with the Delta variant compared to unvaccinated people who were previously infected with the COVID virus. Researchers also noted increased risk was significant as asymptomatic disease as well, meaning those who are vaccinated now become carriers of the virus and then can inflict the virus on those who do not have it. To quote Dr. Charlotte Thayen, Phelan, it's a textbook example of how natural immunity is really better than any vaccination. Dr. Thalen is a physician and an immunologist researcher at Danderide Hospital and the Karolinska Institute. A recent study in the nation state of Israel, the most vaccinated country on the planet, affirmed the superiority of natural immunity. The nation state of Israel, where over 85% of their population has received at least two doses of the Pfizer vaccine. Health Ministry data on the excuse me on the wave of COVID outbreaks, which began in May of this year, found a 6.72 times greater level of protection against those with natural immunity compared to those with vaccinated immunity. Which means those who are vaccinated are more likely to get the virus anyway. Almost seven times more likely to get it after you've been vaccinated. In a June Cleveland Clinic study, found vaccinating people with natural immunity did not add to their level of protection. It only opened their body up to other chronic diseases that they may have possessed. The vaccine reduced their body's threshold of immunological descent against pre-existing conditions. Well, dang. The clinic studied 52,238 employees. Of those, 49,659 never had the virus, and 2,579 had COVID and recovered. Of the 2,579 who previously were infected, 1,359 remained uninfected, compared with the 22,777 who were vaccinated. The numbers are there. So why keep telling the lie? Not one of the 1,359 previously infected subjects who remained unvaccinated had a SARS-CoV-2 infection over the duration of the study. The Defender also reported in December of 2020, last year, 
by a Singapore researcher found neutralizing antibodies, one prong of the renewed response remained present in high concentrations for 17 years or more in individuals who recovered from the original SARS-CoV-2. One prong over a projected 17-year period. More recently, the World Health Organization and the National Institute of Health under Dr. Robert Fauci each published evidence of durable immune responses to natural infection with COVID. In March of last year, Dr. Anthony Fauci of the NIH shared his view in an email. On page 22 of that email to Ezekiel Emanuel, where he says, quote, there would be substantial immunity post-infection, unquote, end quote. He knew, yet he gets on national TV and he tells the lies. But we have it in his own writing. The American Institute of Economic Research reported that it appeared in order to promote the COVID vaccine agenda, key organizations are not only downplaying natural immunity, but may, but may be seeking to erase the concept and idea of it altogether. Dr. Marty Macquarie, a professor at Johns Hopkins University Hospital of Medicine, and the editor-in-chief of the Med page today said that mandating vaccines for every living walking American is not well supported by science and is immoral. In an interview with U.S. News & World Report, Dr. Macquery said there is no scientific support for requiring the, for requiring the vaccine in people who have natural immunity. That is immunity from prior COVID infection. There is zero clinical outcome data to support arguing dogmatically that natural immune individuals must get vaccinated. Dr. Macri explained, and I quote, during every month of this pandemic, I've had debates with other public researchers about the effectiveness and durability of natural immunity. I've been told that natural immunity could fall off a cliff, rendering people susceptible to infection. But here we are now, over a year and a half into the clinical experience of observing patients who were infected and natural immunity is, in, is effective and going strong. And that's because with natural immunity, the, the, the body develops antibodies to the entire surface of the virus, not just the targeted spike protein constructed from a vaccine in the mRNA technique. 
Dr. Macri says, instead of talking about the vaccinated and the unvaccinated, we should be talking about the immune and non-immune. Vaccinating people who previously had COVID will cause significant harm. Numerous scientists have warned vaccinating people who already had COVID could potentially cause harm or even death. According to Dr. Human Norkism, surgeon and patient safety advocate, it is scientifically established that once a person is naturally infected by a virus, antigens from that virus persist in the body for a long time after viral replication has stopped and clinical signs of infection have resolved. When a vaccine reactivates an immune response in a recently infected person, the tissues harboring the persisting viral antigen are targeted, inflamed, and damaged by the immune response. So in the case of COVID, we know that the virus naturally infects the heart, the inner lining of blood vessels, the lungs, and the brain. So these are likely to be some of the clinical organs that will contain a persistent viral antigen in recently infected. And following reactivation of the immune system by a vaccine, these tissues can be expected to be targeted and damaged. So you're going to force that on me, this liquid death on me. Colleen Kelly, who's an associate professor of infectious diseases at Emory University School of Medicine and the principal investigator for Moderna and Novavax phase three vaccine clinical trials, said in an interview with the Huffington Post, I do my homework, you all. There had been reported cases in which those who previously had the virus endured harsher side effects after they received the vaccine. <gasps> what? Dr. Dara Udo, urgent and immediate care physician at Westchester Medical Group, who received the COVID vaccine a year after having the disease, had a very strong immune response, very similar to what she experienced while she was having COVID. So in an, op-ed, in an op-ed piece published by The Hill, a Washington, D.C. political journal, Udo explained how infection from any organism, including COVID, activates several different arms of the immune system some in more robust ways than others, and that this underlying activation due to infection or exposure combined with a vaccination could lead to overstimulation of the immune response. So basically, your reaction 
action is going to be like cancer. Your body begins to kill itself. In a public submission to the FDA, medical doctor and Ph.D., Patrick Whalen, expressed similar concerns that COVID vaccines aimed at creating immunity against COVID spike protein could have the potential to cause microvascular injury to the brain, to the heart, the liver, and kidneys in a way that does not currently appear to be assessed in safety trials of these potential drugs. Now, I'm going to have to stop right there, and i got a hell of a lot more to go with, so I'm going to have to pick this up next week. We are now 10 minutes to the hour of 8 p.m. This is Not So Mad Science with your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network, and Allah willing, as my forced suspension of not speaking directly to person is released. I will be back with you once again next week to share with you some more of the insightful work of the Nation of Islam where COVID is concerned and the public health, safety, and welfare. We'll share some more. So this is Not So Mad Science with your host, Brother Harold Muhammad here on the Black Hole Radio Network, leaving you as I came before you with the words of peace and paradise of Islam alaikum, hoping that I have not said anything that will do you harm, but shared with you something that will open your mind and help you invigorate your spirit. To that end, I leave you as I always do in those immortal words of the greatest black preacher and politician from the city of New York, Reverend Dr. Adam Clayton Powell, Jr. Keep the faith, baby. Keep the faith. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.